This episode of our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by Zapper. Zapper is one of the world's leading XR companies. Over the past 12 years, they've won numerous awards for memorable campaigns. They've democratized AR by making tools and SDKs that anyone can use. And they created Zapbox, the world's most affordable mixed reality headset. Most recently, Zapper worked with Unilever to create an enhanced QR code called Accessible QR, which enables packaged goods to speak to the blind and partially sighted. If you're thinking XR, give the team at Zapper a call or visit Zapper.com to see how they can help you on your XR journey. Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Shilowitz and Roni Abovitz. It's This Week in XR for Friday, August 11th, 2023. Uh, we've got a great guest today, guys. Here, I'm not burying the guest. I always bury the guest in the intro, but we've got Inga Petrayevskaya, who is the CEO and founder of Shapes XR, a company that allows up to 30 people to collaboratively build uh, VR experiences inside of VR. Yeah, it's a very interesting, interesting technology space and interesting workspace and a an area for growth for sure, Charlie, as we've talked many times about industrial and productivity use cases around these tools. And by the way, Charlie, uh, just talking about some offline stuff that we, you, me, and Roni were chatting about uh, before the show started, apparently we're moving up the charts in terms of our uh, podcast popularity, right? Oh, uh, yeah. We're, we, we just passed one of TechCrunch's podcasts. We're number 41, baby. Pretty good. 41 out of what? Ni- almost 9,000, right? 9,000. 90,000. 90,000. 90, All right. There you go. Yeah, 41 I mean, across the technology sector, right? That That is. We're number. We're, yes, we are in the technology chart and we are number 40. I have no, I mean, we're, we're not competing against like comedy and entertainment. It's just we're like the fortune 50, fortune 50 of tech and blogs, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. So we give a lot of credit to our early listeners that were like, well, I like Charlie, I like Ted. And then when Roni came along, I like Roni. And uh, they seem to have a nice take on what's going on week after week in, in this land of XR that we call it. And so far, more and more listeners every Thank- week are picking up. So it's very exciting. Thank you for the feedback because uh, our connection to each other and the community is why we've been doing this for the past three years. So for everybody who comes up to us, for everybody who sent an email, uh, thank you. Thank you, really, because the, you know doing these podcasts, broadcasting on radio, uh, which used to have, of course, a huge reach. Um, but, you know, you don't know. You're just putting it out there in the ether. So, you know, if, if somebody doesn't reach back out, we don't know on social, wherever. Thank you for your support. Let's get to the news, guys, and and we'll bring in our guest. Uh, so Neuralink, uh, our friend Elon Musk, you cannot get away from Elon Musk. He is everywhere. Um, so Neuralink, uh, you, you may remember a couple of months ago, uh, they announced a breakthrough where they were able to implant a chimp a chip on the top of a chimp's brain uh, and they're actually communicating with the chip. The chip is doing some limited things, but the fact that they can communicate with a chip through the skull via Bluetooth is a pretty crazy, crazy thing. Uh, Another 280 million, I forget what they've got in funding so far, but that's like a artificial intelligence kind of raise, uh, you know, more than a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah, and and I got to tell you, all this stuff. As look, you guys know me well. I tend to be one of the most positive, open-minded, anything is possible thinking guys. 
but Roni, I'd love to get your two second take on this too, because I am always very suspect of this neural link stuff and any demo I have seen demonstrating it. I mean, obviously it's an interesting dynamic when you're actually taking uh, you know, other forms of life, chimpanzees and implanting chips and seeing what level, but anything I've seen on the surface level, wearing a band or some sort of a device externally. Uh, and then my question always when I see a demo is, can you close your eyes and do the same demo? Because normally they'll show like they can make you sort of, you think of a quadrant in an area and the mouse will move over there and click on something. So you don't have to actually physically click. You're actually sort of clicking and navigating with your brain. Uh, but then I asked this obvious question of do it again, but keep your eyes closed and it never seems to work. So I'm a bit like the, the Houdini of debunkers when it comes to this Neuralink stuff and all the different companies starting it. I, I, I very much want to see this be true, but I'm always concerned that it's not really as real as anybody is, is so, putting, but so look, $300 comments. million dollars raise. So obviously people are believing something. So. So, so quick comment, and I, I have a I have a long history in like neuro deep brain stimulation from from way before uh, uh, Magic Leap. Um, th first of all, there's there's a couple like very serious companies in the space, including early founders of Neuralink that didn't like the direction, and they like in Boston there's a company called Precision Neuro that is doing very similar concepts, uh, but to solve disease issues, right, epilepsy and and sort of deep neurologic issues, which is like probably the most important use case for all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it, this goes back many decades to deep brain stimulation for dystonia, for Parkinson's, for de depression. So there's actually nothing new about um, implanting computing and electrodes in the brain. It's been something that companies like Medtronic and others have studied. Sure. I would say very serious neuroscientists are building companies like um, uh, you know, Precision Neuro, Medtronic's uh, DBS program. The thing with Neuralink is they've sort of created pop culture out of it. And it's like, hey, shove this in your brain. And I think for all the very serious scientists in the field, there's a little bit of distaste. That's my that's my understanding. Mm -hmm. That it's like this should be used to cure disease. There's so much work to do there before we go around and trying to think like, let's just hook monkeys up and play video games. And by the way, the monkey video game experiment was a professor. I don't know if it was at University of Miami or MIT that happened like 10 or 15 years ago. So what they're doing is putting the pop cultural spotlight on a very esoteric form of neurosurgery, neuroscience. But the, the hardcore use is real. The pop cultural use, you, we could have a very long show mm. on that. And the ethics of that's very sketchy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, well, they've been they've been widely criticized on a number of levels. Needless to say, the animal testing is, you know, cringeworthy. Yeah. I mean, scientifically necessary for certain things, but uh, this, not I'm this. not sure. I'm not sure this is one of them. Yeah. Uh, okay, moving on. Our friends at Leia, David Fatal, spinoff of HP, uh, has acquired its biggest competitor, uh, apparently for cash and stock. So it's a grown-up acquisition, even though these are two relatively small private companies. Uh, Leia has a fantastic 3D tablet in the market. It's an Android tablet that is uh, costs exactly the same as most regular Android tablets. Uh, you know, it's a fairly large tenor. 12 inch uh and it's really 3d it can take 2d videos make them seem 3d uh it it can it allows you to generate through work they've been doing with stable diffusion you can generate 3d um objects uh 3d ai generative ai scenes um 
you know, it's it's one of their apps. So I, I think it's a fantastic device. Domenco apparently has more of a supply chain established and they are uh, in other categories like PCs, which Leia is not in. Uh, so it seems like a, you know, just Leia is growing. I really, yeah. I, I'm waiting for this to catch on. Yeah, it's interesting. It feels like one of those marriages made in heaven because for many years now, when people were talking to me about Leia, and saying, these are really cool, but there's some limitations to what they can do. I would often say, have you heard about this company, Domenko, out of <laughs> Amsterdam? Yeah. Um, because the they're doing things yeah. on very large screens. And there's a certain viability to this that, you know, both companies are doing really interesting well, things. Well, and they also happen. ended up in the same place with head tracking. Yeah. So they all, the, the thing that for our listeners to know is that these devices work by using the camera, either the camera that's already built into your laptop, which is an obvious thing, or they can mount a camera on top of an LED display, or now potentially next-gen large displays will come with an integrated camera in them, just like a giant laptop screen. Um, and they require a tracking of where your eyes are, of where you are in the space. So it doesn't work well. It has a field of, it has a field of view, yeah. but um you know, to make it a TV size field of view and and do things like Licking Glass has done. I think that's where they're going with this. Uh, and I think that's, you know, this technology is going to jump from, you know, our intimate screens to larger the screens. Larger screen, in our right. home. I'm so, excited about this merger. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. These, these are good guys and uh, I really wish them well. Uh, okay. Shapes. We've talked about shapes uh, in our intro. Let's go to Immersed. Well, some interesting freaking developments around this company. First of all, they're going public via a SPAC. Yeah, that's a that's a an acquisition company that creates a fake publicly traded company that is worth exactly the cash they have in the bank. Roni they, is smirking about they this. Go, He's got the uh, smack the the SPAC know, smirk this, on his this face. Could have, this could have happened to Magic Leap easily. Oh, <laughs> for those of you listening but not watching the YouTube, uh, Roni gave himself a party hat. So uh, first, I should tell everybody what Immersed does. SPACs uh, are a problem, my friends. Oh my God, uh, the. Uh, it, it creates using VR primarily at the moment. Uh, it's a tethered PC VR experience, and it puts up in front of you a series of screens, very high fidelity. They're making their own headset because they didn't think existing headsets were uh, appropriate for kind of, you know, three-hour work sessions. Uh, you know, doesn't, I mean, interesting, always interesting when a small company um you know, starts making devices. I think that, again, going back to Domenco and Leia, uh, you know, these companies were really too small uh, to do what they were doing, uh, working with hardware manufacturers all over the world, uh, constantly raising money. You know, we're, we're talking about like 40 people. I, mean, I just, just got to raise gonna my happen. hand here, Charlie. Yeah, go. Okay. All right, go back to the spec. So, so wait a second. So let's combine two of the most difficult things to do. It's, <laughs> it's not enough that Meta has to lose what um, uh, what our friend Matthew Ball says was about $59 billion in trying to make Oculus. So these guys are like, oh, we're smarter than $59 billion. We're smarter than Apple's 20 or $30 billion. Um, so we're going to do it for infinitesimal money. And yet we're going to go public because the public really loves companies that are going to lose $59 billion that have no <laughs> capital. But SPACs have such a good track record recently of you go out – and I have, unfortunately, I have friends who I advise not to do it. They, they 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 did their SPACs and it goes, I mean, the stock went from like 500 million to 5 million in like right, six ex months. Exactly. I mean, the so you can predict the trajectory of this very quickly. 
Yeah. I don't know why they're doing that. Guys, if you're still able to not do it, please don't do it. Stay <laughs> private. Go public the normal way. Don't do the SPAC. Probably don't build your own hardware. That's not a good idea either. Um, I don't think anyone wants to fund tens of billions anymore of losses. It's not possible anymore. I don't know what people are doing. We should have him on the show, Charlie. We should be like, what are you guys doing? Why? <laughs> Why are you doing this? I don't like know. You're combining two really, crazy things. I've, I've written about them several times, but I, I don't know uh, the uh, C-suite. Uh, but maybe but there's software. Be... Look, maybe the software thing is cool and like focus on that. And don't do the other stuff, which is like the two, like talk to anyone on Wall Street and say, is this a good idea? You know, like, is it a good idea? Because like, look at the biggest companies in the world that are spending tens of billions to crack the code of VR. You can't chase them right now in hardware. What, what are you trying to do? Like, please don't do that. I don't know. I mean, we're we're stepping in people's like backyard, but. Yeah, I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole here. So yep. <laughs> let's let's just bring uh, Inga in. But that's going out of the rabbit hole. You know, Ted and I talked about remote work a lot in the early yeah. days. Yeah. And VR is fantastic when you have to be apart, but you want to be together. Um, but it's not the only option. And it lacks the ease and convenience of Zoom, even though obviously experience things, experience, experience things as if you were present uh, is much more memorable and uh you know, leaves an impression as if I had stepped into your office and talked to you. So I'm doing this in VR, right? This show is about it. We should be doing it. But so it's a state of affairs that we're still doing this in Zoom, right? We tried. Exactly. That is correct. That's just, you said that perfectly. This is the state of affairs. Um, Ted and I did try. Now, this was three years ago using Quest One. Uh, We did try to uh, see if we could film this in VR. uh, And like trying to film theater uh once you take that through one step of abstraction it looks terrible it's the worst animation in the world right. so, and it was technically possible it just what it comes down to is most of the people that listen to this are listening to it on the go on their android phone or their iphone or in their car or you know wherever they're walking around the streets with their earbuds on and very few people are watching our faces uh, in any way shape or form That's so they li- don't really the- need to watch our avatars either yeah, there's like 10 or 12,000 people listening to this episode and 100 people see the youtube right very much smaller group. yeah so uh, anyway well let's bring inga in you do you guys have not met her I think I have. I she won like... an Augie. Her company won an Augie uh, in uh, 2022. I don't know. We'll have Inga. Yes, I know. We we know each other. <laughs> I was like, I think this is the Inga that I know, yeah. but I didn't want to make any assumptions, but it absolutely is. And it's very nice to see you again. It's a, a pleasure. Nice to see you, Ted. Ple- Thank pleasure. you. Hello, everyone. Con- first of all, congrats. Uh, I guess it's an official company now. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Roni, if you guys have not met. Uh, but uh, we're excited. You know, I, I kind of told the guys, I tipped them off that this is the idea behind Shapes is that we're building VR experiences inside of VR. So such an obvious good idea. And it seems like there's so much support for this in the industry. Absolutely. First of all, thank you very much. It's a huge pleasure to be here. And yes, I know Ted for a long time since I was building the first VR company those days. And of course, I know Roni very well because 
you know, I studied pretty early in VR and uh, was a huge fan um, of everything that Magic Leap did for the industry. Um, one thing, actually, you can design VR in VR, but also you should design AR in VR because there is no better way to design for augmented reality than doing that inside virtual reality right now before we actually launch on AR native devices, because we can simulate the field of view of um, any AR device out there on the market. So any spatial apps, I would say, even broader. Sounds like this would be a really great way to build apps for the Vision Pro. 100%. And you can start now, <laughs> because we already added you know, simulation for um, hand pitch and eye gaze. You can do that on Quest 2 or Quest Pro already. So that you start, you know, playing around with this completely new type of input, right? I mean, we've been building for controllers for so long, and now we have to redesign, reimagine our apps for, for just hands, you know, and eyes. Even like for Magic Leap, when we were designing it, one control is still, right? And now we just hands-free. So that's, that's a very new challenge for designers, uh, but it's a very exciting area. And you can simulate it already in shapes. Just oh, to be, yeah, I just wanted a clarification, uh, is all so you can today, um, uh, create or mock up uh, experiences for AR in addition to VR 100%. Because, first of all, you design in mixed reality, right? So, just one button click and you see the real world, and then you can say simulate Magic Leap 2 and you get this mask, like the field of view of Magic Leap 2. And as a designer, you can clearly know what part of UI fits perfectly to this field of view and like what happens with near clipping simulation when you kind of move your head this way. So you can do that. And people do that. I would even say that probably 30% of our users are building AR uh, games and apps including Meta, for example. So some of the designers were exploring shapes for AR games level design. So so what I was going to say is, so I've, I've watched, Inga's a really good, um, for all our listeners, for the people that are listening to this, a good example of sticking with your passion and sticking mm. with what you believe through all the, the churning of an industry, moving through all of these sort of funding dynamics and people building hardware, creating software. She and her cohorts had a very strong belief very early on when you were very small. And it was just like you'd have a laptop and you'd set up the sensors and we'd do stuff and we'd walk around and you'd show me things over a, a number of years. In the hotel lobby in New York. I remember yes, that. In a hotel <laughs> lobby in New York. I very much remember that one and a few others. But sticking with what you know is a core tenant of a belief that you and others held that if you're going to build a VR ecosystem that's valuable, you also have to have a design system inside the tool set that allows you to actually understand how to build. You're not going to build it all on one and then try and migrate it into another. It was just you were so early in the curve. It's a classic example of timing, right? Of you understanding that it's going to go this way, but it took quite a number of years to raise the level of funding that you sit now to actually then pursue um, where you're going to head in the next couple of years. So I think it's a very interesting story of entrepreneurial success. So I'm very proud of you. Uh, thank you very much. And indeed, we were very early and uh, with Tvori, which was the first um, yeah. company that was, you know, if you build immersive story, you have to immerse yourself because 
it makes so much difference if you explore the ergonomics and you really utilize the space. And, uh, and I mean, the story shouldn't happen just in front of you as if you're just watching it on your flat screen laptop. It has to be around you. It has to be interactive. So that was initial passion of ours. But that was the first generation of hardware, right? And, uh, and also to some point, it was really early. And I'm just grateful that we were able to survive till the moment when you know, the headsets evolved and now we have standalone devices. It was a slight pivot, like explicitly focused on those XR creators rather than any 3D person. So this is our, let's say, focus. We want to enable um, UI, UX, XR designers building their VR, AR or mixed reality applications. Because as you said, transition from flat screen to a headset costs you lots of time and money. And when you're doing this natively and bring your users in and you iterate a lot, the overall end experience costs less, but also it's much more magical than. Inga, are you building like Figma for XR? Yes, uh, I love to say that, even though it's it's actually a journey to really become Figma right now, also given the limitation of, of the mobile headsets today from, from the performance perspective and uh, from shapes, we are now starting to build shapes 2.0. But yes, from the fact what Figma did for VAP, and for mobile computing, we want to do for spatial computing. This is so very. You're, you're going to be a target for Figma very quickly. There's no doubt. <laughs> um, you don't have to and comment Adobe, on that. Yes, yeah. and uh, yeah, Adobe sure. overall, when everyone stops sleeping on XR, right? So, um, I think I the was, question. For <clears throat> I was thinking more Unity, but or Unity or Epic, <laughs> right? Or you know anyone that's a. It sounds like if you were able to crack the code and you you could make yourself easily integratable, um, one or more of those platforms are going to come hunting for you in the next couple of years. Absolutely. And basically, this funding, part of this funding will go, as you said, integrating to any pipeline. So we do have the first version of integration with Figma so that it's real-time update of any of your Figma icon you know, in shapes and you can place it spatially uh, because... Let's be honest, still the huge percentage of designers design XR on flat 2D screen in Figma. That's why we have so many 2D panels. And uh, I just don't want to tolerate that. I do want to push people to build truly spatial experiences. But we do have this integration so that it's more smooth way for them to transit. Okay, so I have my design in Figma. I want to see how it's going to look spatially. And we also have plugin with Unity. And that's why everything you build in Shapes you can then present to your developer and developer can open it um, in Unity as a project through the plugin. And you have already all these, the scale and the distances and all the prompts. So it's really huge speed up for, uh, for design and developer collaboration. But we want to make it integrated in any 3D pipeline, whether you uh, use Unreal or any other 3D software packages, you know, it has to be like, comfortable for any backflow. Well, you know, it's interesting when you mention 3D pipeline, 3D assets, because I think a lot of you know that TurboSquid just got acquired by Shutterstock, which is an also kind of an interesting trajectory in terms of what you're doing, because as a company like Shutterstock would take a TurboSquid and say, we need to, you know, move this out of the realm of what it was doing within its first realm and get it more ubiquitous and more people using it. 
they would probably want to talk to you about integrating how can I build a design tool that takes all those 3D assets and enables users that don't might not have the level of technical skill to just hop on a headset and be able to collaborate and move things around. And a lot of what I remember, and you'd have to tell me if it's still correct, what you were doing was really designing the human touch point of using the controllers to manipulate assets, build assets very easily, build kind of early stage prototype assets, kind of work through um, like user flow and, and input, and then go and add uh, higher resolution graphics later. Is that still correct? Yes, this is still correct. And uh, so this is about wireframing. We now allow to build interactive prototypes so that you can click buttons and, you know, it's like non-linear, not just storyboards. Storyboard is still an option, but also, you know, interactive prototypes, but it's low fidelity from how it looks. But we do want to push it uh, further on and make sure that it's it's more high fidelity feel and look, you know. And uh, I mean, we do a lot of optimization to run this on standalone hardware, but we still want what people, because designers love to impress people. And Shapes XR is not just design tool, it's actually we want it to be the presentation hero. Because when we observe how people are using it, they use it to pitch their designs and concepts to stakeholders. And those stakeholders could be end client, their own users, and that's why we want everything they build to look beautiful, which is right now not the case. We want to add more shadows, lots of shaders, so that you are, feel very comfortable to, to impress that. And I really want to say that even though it's indeed a design platform, um, I love to say that all the startups like that are using XR startup, let's say FeedXR or Trip or Nanum, I love to see that CEOs and product people use shapes. They come to shapes, you know, to see what designers are working on, to contribute to that. So as product people, they bring subject domain experts, right? For example, you can bring fitness experts or you can bring a scientist if you have built a scientific, you know, molecular discovery software. And given that it's that accessible, they can contribute. As you said, they can move stuff around. They can say, okay, this is a little bit wrong. They can help them to build better user journey, uh, and that's, um, yeah, that's how it's happening. Yeah, it's it's really a teamwork. It's, it's so, like designers who involve all other roles in the process. Uh, you remember, <clears throat> I think two years ago or a year ago during the pan, uh, was it, I guess it was 2021, uh, you and Gabriel uh, came and talked to my uh, VR production class. Uh, and they, like, during the class with us inside the simulation, they decided, you know, started to make things. And and one of the students actually did a great, uh, <clears throat> I wish I could remember her last name. Um, uh, she was a graduate student, but she used um, shapes to create a storyboard for a 3D version of BoJack Horseman's house. So, you know, she had Bojack, you know, waking up and going outside uh, to the pool deck and, and he falls into the pool at the end. And she used like, I don't know, that 15 or 20 drawings to do it. And once you had the Bojack model, she just, you know, repeated it. Uh, but it was really terrific. And you can tell a story using shapes. And I mean, literally, she did that, I think, in about a couple of hours, which so it's fast. And, so, and the whole idea is that given the time is still so limited on a headset, right? I mean, after two hours, you don't, you do want to take it off. Let's be honest. That's why the whole idea of shapes is that you come into space and you have 
one and a half hours to really build a presentation, to really build your design. So that's the user flow we try, try to make sure that it's um, not distracted by any menu challenges or any UI challenges in the products. Sorry, Tad. No, it's good. Uh, so so what, what Charlie and Roni and I very often do with things that we're enamored by is we go deep to the deep end of the pool and we forget to tell everybody that's listening some of the basics about what you're doing, what platform it's on, how much does it cost, you know, how do you access it? So go and, and like, where do you find it? All, all the, the Charlie's bringing us back stuff. out, bring it, bring so us back out. <laughs> take us back up to um, what we all need to know as potential users of your software on how to get it, where it costs, you know, what it costs, how to find it, all that stuff. Yes, that's that's great uh, start. So you do need a headset. So I hope this is good news. So right now it's running on Quest 2, even Quest 1, but let's forget about it. On Quest 2 and Quest Pro, it's going to run on Quest 3 that is coming soon. Um, and then you go to MetaQuest Store and it's free for any, any user. So you launch it from store, it's standalone. You don't need any laptop or anything, just Wi-Fi and your headset and you start using it. So the limit of the free version, it's a freemium model, is the number of projects you can build. So you can you are limited to three projects, but each project is actually a space that has 25 subspaces. So it's it's pretty it's pretty a lot, you know, if you discover and use it's it. It's pretty robust, right? Yes, it's pretty robust. So um then we have educational free license that is equal to our studio plan. It's actually the full access. And when we announced that for universities just two months ago, I was amazed by the number of applications. So it's it's really like right now it's probably 80 universities. And we do ask them like, do you have headsets? You ask for like 30 licenses. Do you have headsets? Like prove it to me. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm so proud of universities. They're much better equipped than many enterprises out there. Like, you know, you come to a very big known company and they still utilize Quest One or they, it still like happens when it's in the basement and it's it's not really there. But universities across the country, they really have incredibly well-equipped labs, you know, with Quest Pro and Quest Two and, and Pika and Magic Leap, um, design schools, but also more generic schools, scientific schools who want to find a new way of, you know, exploring data, for example. Um, um, then we have our plan for startups, because again, I love to say that we have to exist for all the talented VR, AR founders out there, because shapes enable them. We are infrastructure company. We want to make them building products much more efficient than they used to do that. So we, for example, as Shapes XR, we use shapes daily. I mean, we fully design shapes in shapes, right? We build it for our own team. And um I'm glad that like one of the very early adopters, what like, for example, Fidex are and uh, Nano, which is this kind of, and, and Prisms and uh, Trip and uh, Immerse, Vin Reality, all of those titles that you see on store right now, they design, especially when like they all used to be VR experiences, but then there was a push to become mixed reality experience, also be available in mixed reality mode. How can you transit that? Because it, it does require you to redesign, rethink how you interact with the app. So they use shapes for that. And we have enterprise fashion. We just started, you know, to talk to enterprises end of last year. And this is a lot about, you know, giving them kind of security compliance, single sign-on and projects and permissions and roles and all those things. Um, the good news is that uh, even though we are pretty quest, um, 
enabled platform right now. We are porting to Pika soon. It's it's coming really soon. And we are posting to Magic Leap not that soon, but we in close uh, touch with the team because, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but the developers relations and designers at Magic Leap are saying that this is the first time the team is really asking for the app to be available, internal team at Magic Leap. They do want shapes to be at Magic Leap to use it because they can't use Quest actually. Um, and of course it, it requires our own team to rethink shapes. Okay, so mm. now we have just one controller and a hand, uh, but we rethink it overall. What if you don't have any controllers in shapes and just hands? Um, and the expansion to all other uh, headsets should make it even more accessible. And if you don't have a headset, but your stakeholder wants to approve your, your product or design or you pitch to an investor, we have the web viewer. You can still export this to the web. It will be pretty immersive because you can teleport in web, you can um kind of explore zoom in zoom out but we also want to put an effort so that you can also join real-time meetings so i'm in vr in a headset you are in web but you can everything observe from my first view perspective so again you can use it for free as long as you want you will have like full version of shapes or if you're a startup reach out we have the studio plan and we've started to work with enterprises and if you're a school or university we always, it's a really long term. We want to grow the next generation of designers, next generation and, of creators. <laughs> and just, just for the folks that are listening on and, and maybe listening in, in their environment in a podcast where they're floating around and they're saying, what did she say? What, what can you connect with? Because your accent's quite strong. Uh, it's, okay, sorry. It's the word the web is what you were saying, connecting web, to yes. the web. Yes. <laughs> right. Sorry about that. No, it's good. I just want to make sure everybody knows what you're talking yeah. about. I'm like, what, what, what kind of thing is she talking about? I don't it's true. And uh, Inga is so, pa- you're so passionate about it. It's, um, it's great to just sit back and listen uh, because, <clears throat> excuse me, you have so much to say. Uh, what did you do? Before you started, I guess it was Tavori and it became Shapes. Um, but were you a developer? What's what's your background? Yes, I, by education, I'm computer scientist. So I have two degrees in computer science, which is development and IT. And then I studied at Siemens Corporate Technology, Expresse Deutsch, as also. And uh, so Siemens Corporate Technology, that was more fundamental research. Machine learning those days, that was 2006. Um, and uh, after I got my second degree and then like mathematics and lots of machine learning. Um, and after Siemens, I joined uh, EMC, which is a US-based company, enterprise high-end storage and cloud computing. Uh, but I joined Office of the CTO. And my role was actually given this old research background to explore the great innovation outside the company that we can either buy, like acquire, or... Uh, work together with universities. So my role was actually some sort of M and A, but I was doing technical diligence of those startups and uh, finding great research groups, whether that's MIT or Stanford, to fund them and work together. Um, in 2015, I tried um, Oculus for the first time, uh, and then in 16 again at uh, no, it was yes, 14 or 15, doesn't matter. But what I realized is that. My entire career was explaining very complex ideas and concepts, right? And I, the only tools I, I could use would be PowerPoint, like Google Slides, or you write a software prototype, which is so time-consuming. And uh, there was 
it's like, and when it was in 3D, I realized, oh, this is such a powerful medium to actually like build 3D immersive features. And, uh, and Tvori was um, something that is, okay, anyone can tell a story, right? And that was more like focusing on animation. I still see, I still think that this is such a beautiful product. Uh, it was just so much ahead of the market. And yeah, uh, yeah, so much ahead of the market. But we were lucky. So Tvori helped us to actually uh, survive till this moment. And we had clients like Cartoon Network, Magnavus, NBC Universal. It was just like so hard to convince them. It was a huge speed up to Maya, for example, right? And uh, you could build immersive storyboard, explore it, um, but the outcome was still flat screen. And that's why they didn't appreciate the fact that you have to work in VR because the outcome was still flat screen and no one was really building immersive stories that days, just a very, very few teams. But when pandemic hit it and I was building Tori, I realized, I mean, it's so much suffering building for for the headset it's like the product person i keep waiting for unity builds forever and then i review it on my own and then send comments in slack or or like writing in google doc we could never meet together in the space and discuss what we are building and it became even worse in 2020 and i'm like i mean is anyone going to build this like collaborative you know native tool to design for spatial apps. And Tvori was a very good start for that, but it was not collaborative and it was not running on standalone headset. And uh, that's why I decided that it's not about forcing Tvori to standalone headset. It's about building new products that is bone mobile, that is bone as collaborative. Because when you just add multi-user to their product that always used to be just single mode, it's very different, you feel it. And ShapesXR was envisioned as a collaborative platform. And every, every feature is, um, is designed to be used as a team, you know. And uh, yeah, we built it from scratch and it, it happened in, and we launched it in 2021. Uh, and, but prior to that, we interviewed like 50 XR teams, startups and also enterprises. And just to prove that this problem does exist, uh, because we realized that there were, for example, you mentioned Unity. The team at Unity was using Tvori to build, to explore user journey for the XR, you know, Mars those days, right? Product or Facebook was doing the same, but Tvori was never built for that. Um, and they just were really looking for some spatial app to do that natively. And that's why we decided, okay, so then it's our mission to, to really build that platform. Yeah. And, and you weren't the only, you, this wasn't a singular mission. There were, there were others in your space that had that same understanding of needing collaborative tools. Cause if you remember for those that have lived in the VR life, as long as we all have, uh, it's remember wild. medium. Remember Medium? It from was single. Oculus it was not and, collaborative. Right. No, no. Was, I think you're thinking yeah. of, Ted, you're thinking of the wild. They were acquired by Autodesk. Yeah, but, they, I, but I'm, I'm more talking about just people touching the thesis of how to build stuff. Even if they didn't absolutely. get to the collaborative stage, there was Quill and Medium that were sort of first-party products, and then there was Tilt Brush, and there were exactly. all these things where you could take objects and manipulate them, but no one was really thinking like you were thinking about group design quotient of how to actually build a project that you would be doing on multiple computers, except multiple computers is now multiple headsets. 
Um, so, it, you know, it wasn't totally singular. I mean, people got the fact that you needed to start Absolutely. to experiment and create inside VR. And Tilt Brush obviously became kind of a phenomenon on its own, and people building things inside VR to then show in VR. But you were taking a, a different tact on it, which is interesting to me. Exactly. So I can also add, like, sculpt VR and storyboard VR. People right. were really, like, when they started building for this Headset, you know, thing, they immediately face the problem. You can't use the flat screen tools. It's so inefficient. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You guys all remember um, our friends Gil and Cosmo built this thing called Mind Show. Um, 100%. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. It was an interesting I remember we had the booths like Tori and Mind Show at CTNX in 2018 standing next to each other. They were animation, but like you play over your characters yeah. and where it was like real-time animation. Right. Yeah, I think they're now building their own IP or I don't know what, what happened to the guys, but... Hey, did you ever speak to uh, David Holtz who founded, um, he founded uh, uh, MidJourney? Um, I have not. Um, it would be interesting because um, he's obsessed with this idea of collaborative creator communities um, uh, in Midjourney, using like Gen AI to create this like weird hive mind of creation, but I'm just thinking about what would happen if you had you could plug in Midjourney into what you're building. It would be pretty insane. Yes, indeed, and we do um, experiment with, for example, blockade labs, right? And uh, let's say ChatGPT. Okay, I mean because the whole idea of shapes, we want to speed up your your ideation process, your creation process and uh, we have uh, an interesting um, prototype when you have the chat gpt board that you build the prompt right in shapes and then you get the 360 environment you know around you know, with dabs and everything so if you think of generative ai overall that definitely is a great enabler to build faster which is awesome but you still want to control the story you still, as a designer or storyteller or product person, you still want to control your user journey, right? But generative AI can definitely help you with 3D assets, you know, populating your scene or building the environment. And this is where we are going, for sure. And Midjourney is an incredible platform for that as well. Uh, we're almost out of time. Inga, it is uh, so fantastic to have you on the show. This was really long overdue. Uh, and uh, congrats again on uh, your success. It is uh, a testament to your perseverance. Uh, you know, many teams have not did not survive VR winter. Uh, that was the period that followed the failure of the Rift. Um, you know, where everybody said, "Oh, you need a gaming PC." No one told me that. There are only twenty million of those in the world. <laughs> Yes. So, I, so yet, yet you persevered. At that moment, a rational person probably would have run screaming for the door, as many VCs did. But you persevered, and it's great to see that effort rewarded. It's great to see uh, a woman leading a uh, innovative company like this. Uh, I we were just talking in the green room uh, about needing wanting to have more women on the show. Uh, I know you've been active in supporting and mentoring, um, you know, some of the, you know, women in XR, which I think is such a, a great thing. And I see it as a, a teacher, you know, we need more women in XR because uh, it's not going to be a very good platform uh, if a bunch of guys just make it for themselves. Absolutely. I do, uh, if, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. Go ahead. 
and I just wanted to say a huge thanks to Charlie because it was really called outreach from myself when we were planning to launch on Quest platform in 2021. And I would never expect, you know, him to, to reply. I'm saying like, could you help me announce it? And, you know, but he replied close to immediately. And then he said, okay, let's go. Let's go to Shapes. And he actually tried it. And I was so deeply impressed. And he's so supportive of entrepreneurs. And they're, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I am grateful as well. You have taught me a lot. I just, I just had one more question, if time permits, because we haven't talked about uh, Inga's impression and excitement, a potential excitement. Let's find out if she agrees about the uh, the new headset coming from the fruit company next year uh, and the fact that those will be in very high demand. Not a lot of people will have them, but a lot of people will want to design for them. So are you taking steps to be prepared for that day in terms of field of view, resolution, use case? I have to imagine you and your team are thinking about the new Vision Pro and where it, and, and what you can do to help designers build for that, yes? Absolutely. So given that our clients are people who are building for the headset, we are very excited even with the first generation of Vision Pro because those professionals will start building for this headset and those are our users. Um, and I also so happy that this announcement happened because it, it really improved the morale of people in XR because it was not that great. And I know so many VR founders, there is still so much suffering. Uh, this market is still very tough and uh, it's so hard for them to fundraise and for everyone, you know, just to... Uh, you know, TechCrunch did not respond to uh, the news that you raised and they didn't cover, but they did publish that VR is dead yet another time, you know. Uh, yeah, that's, they just don't want to educate. Recurring theme. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So this announcement is, is huge. We've been waiting for so long. The headset is very promising. And yes, we understand that it's uh, in the first generation and uh, probably us developers will have the first those i don't know 300,000 or how many they they build um and uh i think that eventually there will be more type of inputs but this is a great uh i think way to make it you know to make generic audience excited because everything they shown is so familiar to people who use iPad or iPhone. So, but I'm very excited about developers community and we want to enable them build for that. And again, they can start now uh, because you already can build for hand page and uh, for uh, eye gaze and uh, you can start experimenting. You probably need just one headset and then one Vision Pro and then Quest so magically and you already as a team can build for this uh, platform. Fantastic. That's great. Yeah. You're and people excited. I know at Apple, they're very committed. They're very excited. They're very happy that they can finally share what they've been working on for, for seven years. And uh, I do believe with all the passion and uh, they have for this device, it will be the mainstream. That's a great way to end the show this week. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next Friday. Thank you. Thank you.